1: and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video game world from the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Bejar and uh well, you might be a little bit surprised if you listened to the last episode to hear me uh, come back to you so soon or so I don't know, to be back here because uh I'm supposed to be on parental leave. But guess what? Everyone who was saying the baby is going to come early was wrong. And it's uh, actually pretty late. The due date was a few days ago. And so I was like, well, what am I? You know, I'm twiddling my, my turning my thumbs or something. And uh, well, let's do a show. So I called up Ed and I was like, dude, do you want to wake up super early on a Saturday morning to do an episode <laughs> of Pixels? And he was like, "Uh," and I was like, excellent. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And <laughs> <here> you <are. laughs> so thanks for being on. Yeah, you're welcome. Sorry,
0: I missed last uh, last podcast. So you're gonna have me on for that, and I uh, uh, came down with something. So I'm, I'm glad to be back.
1: Well, I'm I'm getting back at you now. Um, so it's yeah, serves <laughs> <laughs> <Surf> me right. <laughs> Um right, then we have a few things to talk about um and so it's good because i'm I'm guessing that at some point in the next few days the baby is finally going to arrive, so i'm going to have less time at that point, although you know i'm I'm sort of in a in a stance uh, in a place now where it's like you know what maybe it's actually it's always it's going to stay in there, maybe it's just comfortable it's not going to come out <laughs> maybe maybe that's, that's just our just life just, now that's just your life now yeah exactly <laughs> um, so right, but enough with baby talk um we are we do have things to talk about in the gaming world and uh we have Nintendo that announced uh, something quite surprising we have <clears throat> we have a couple of games that are coming out very soon we have a bunch of games that uh we tried uh that we're going to talk about because why not it's a relatively quiet uh, um week or couple of weeks and a bunch of news some of them are a little bit uh, sadness inducing for the games we used to love uh, but let's start with nintendo and their announcement of nintendo labo which was i, I i'm pretty sure no one could have predicted something <laughs> like this and uh, the reactions were i want to say mixed at least in france people were a little bit uh, uh, not not convinced, let's say, but uh, let's start with what it is. I'm sure many of you have heard about the cardboard Nintendo thing that they announced, and uh, they were very careful to say this is going to be a new, different way to play with your Nintendo Switch aimed at children or at people who are children at heart, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the way it works is that they have complex uh, keyboard... Oh, keyboard... Uh, cardboard uh, pre-cut cardboard that you have to assemble, you know, bend and uh, attach, and they have like elastic bands and uh, rope bits and things like that, and like reflective surfaces. And you make cardboard toys, uh, which are, you know, pretty sturdy cardboard. It's not the the flimsy thing that is going to um, be destroyed after a couple of hours or at least hopefully and they're somewhat complex things to assemble it doesn't take you know 10 minutes some of them take a couple of hours and uh, there are things like pianos fishing rods uh, bikes uh, a giant robot one that is uh, one uh, game in itself and of course it comes with um the software as well. And so you put your Switch controllers in parts of it and your screen in parts of it, and it makes for different kind of toys. And the cardboard portions are uh, called the, the Toy-Cons, which is, of course, uh, reminiscent of Joy-Cons, the controllers themselves. And so it's things like little, uh, like, how do you call them? Like carts that you put the... Controller in and through vibration. Slots. Yeah, there's a slot for the controller and through vibration, it's going to move like it's actually going to be a little uh, car that moves around and you can control it because you can control the vibration. Um, the piano, which we mentioned the motorbike, uh, that we uh, mentioned as well. So, and the, the each, there are two bundles, one with, with a number of different cardboards and games, which are most of the ones I mentioned uh which is about 70 bucks and the other one is a robot like you actually create kind of a robot suit for yourself or for the kid and you have like levers and pulleys and 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 uh, strings that pull on stuff that translate into movement in the game that you're looking at um so yeah it's it's something unexpected um, what do you think of it? Is it a good move for Nintendo? Is it uh, something you're interested in personally? What do you think? So at, at first, I was like,
0: what am I looking at here, right? <laughs> um, especially the, the one that really blew my mind. And now I kind of understand how it works. But the one that blew my mind was the piano. And mm-hmm. I was like, how is that working with like no cables and stuff? And then I remembered the right Joy-Con has an IR receiver on the end of it. So, you, so that's think- how...
1: I think that one, the way it works is that they have reflexive tape on yeah. um, the bits that right, and it's uh, the uh, IR receiver or maybe even the the camera. I don't know, but it's yeah, it's it's visual. It's yeah, it, yeah,
0: it's the same the same way that if you've played the one two switch game where where you had to eat the like sandwiches or something like that, it's the same idea where you can okay. it can tell how far away it is from your mouth and like when things when your mouth closes. Okay. um but yeah so so it's pretty cool um it, and just the fact that there's like 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 no wires or anything uh connected to this thing it's just like cardboard and um you can literally take a piece of cardboard and cut it up in this in this like fashion and or and create the same thing um and they said that they're they like are making the uh, like apis and stuff more of it, more available and like more documented for um different people to use so i could see like i could see like the the steering wheel becoming a co- common thing with racing games and 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 like just more and more things being built off
1: yeah off or even top, some kind of a of maker community that would get together right. and create things mm-hmm. but yeah potentially it could happen um i think yeah, it will be a little bit less than people who are very enthusiastic about it are hoping for, but I guess it could <laughs> it could spawn something.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and it's definitely like targeted towards uh, kids and and getting um, them, and the, it could even like have have some applications towards like um, games that are for education purposes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the, the potentials are are fairly endless um with this kind of idea and I mean I was absolutely blown away by by I guess I just didn't wasn't expecting it like you said.
1: Right. Um yeah I think it's it's interesting. It's got potential. Uh, it's gonna rest the, the success is gonna rest on the um whether or not the magic happens when you blend some physical uh things with the screen and electronics of the components of the switch because Mm -hmm. you know it i guess all of the educational aspects could be achieved with legos or playmobiles or whatever you know kind of toys you you want to talk about the the magic here is that you can have the screen aspect of it interact with the physical world and then it can become something more um we'll have to wait and see if it actually does become something more um but and I, I'm also a little bit uh you know, it's gonna they mentioned it's gonna take a couple of hours to put together some of those. So it's not simple things. I'm not sure a lot of people are gonna be able to you know, you can't just get your a piece of cardboard, fold it three times and get a toy for this. It's it's <laughs> some pretty even though it's cardboard, I think it's some pretty serious engineering. Um what we might see is some Chinese or you know other types of factories that are going to sell knockoffs off Amazon for cheaper or maybe some people are going to figure out some ways to do some different things in the same style I don't think we're going to see everyone from home you know even the how do you cut the cardboard in the way that it works properly maybe some people are going to figure it out but I I think it's more complicated than people expect um we had a, a somewhat negative reaction from a faction of the gaming population in France uh, that were saying oh 70 bucks for car- a piece of cardboard that's ridiculous <laughs> which I thought in itself was kind of dumb because obviously you're not paying just for the cardboard you're paying for the research well, and engineering first, and, yeah. and the game you know that's that's designed and the success of the company and the switch but did you have that kind of reaction in the US as well or Yeah I mean that was that mm-hmm. was definitely
0: one of the one of the initial reactions to it um i think that people kind of jumped on it and saw like oh 70 or, or 80 dollars for the robot one and thought it was uh craziness but um having the, the game that came with it kind of made sense even if the game is just a sec- uh, bunch of mini games but they sold one to switch for 60 dollars too so
1: <laughs> <laughs> which arguably was too expensive i would say yeah but, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I think if you have a kid and you're, you want to have fun in that way in a physical manner, I think it's absolutely, you know, it's a game. And I don't mm-hmm. think, yeah, I mean, maybe some people would argue, oh, well, if it was 50 bucks, it would be okay. And then you're like, dude, okay, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of, okay, you're going to throw a sting for the 20 bucks with obviously the success of the Switch allows Nintendo for, um, setting their prices a little bit higher and that's what i always say i think it's if it works it's worth that amount of money probably if you spend you know a, a week worth of fun with your kid for 70 bucks it seems like it would be uh you know taking them to a movie is is probably 20 bucks for the both of you if not more for probably 30 so anyway mm-hmm. and what i always say is the the those companies when they set the price initially they can always lower it if it's too high and the, the people don't respond to it but increasing a price if you have a huge success is almost impossible i mean it <laughs> is impossible yeah so it's not surprising that with the success of the switch nintendo is is trying to maybe they they set it to 10 bucks more expensive than they they should have if, if things were not as successful but um It's also interesting to see Nintendo trying to expand the range of the Switch uh, to get people that are maybe a little bit of a different kind of player and differentiating themselves from Sony and Microsoft, which is something they've always done since the Wii. And it was a conscious choice at the time that they were going to do something um, more, you know, not just compete with high, super powerful console with killer games, right? I mean, like core games obviously they have a lot of very successful games as we've seen with the first year of the switch but they also try to do other things and uh, they've always done that to an extent i mean they're originally a trading uh, uh playing playing cards company and they've done things like you know i don't know if you remember the robot from the NES. i mean you probably weren't born but uh
0: <laughs> I, I lightly remember the, the yeah. nes thank you yes
1: <laughs> you know do you remember that robot like that no no, okay see there you go <laughs> I, that's why you were so uh so uh quiet in your rebuttal of my insult <laughs> but um yeah they had that that little robot thing that i bought in the 80s but um anyway so we'll see how it goes but i think it's an interesting idea and it's gonna bring and and it's funny that they were so clear about the fact that it's a, a toy kind of thing for kids mm-hmm. and still people were like oh nintendo hates gaming and you're like dude
0: yeah what it's what interesting that's <laughs> like the people's reactions um, to the pre-announcement was like, they said it's going to be for kids. And then they are like, the the reaction
1: afterwards was, this wasn't Smash, I wanted Smash. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, <laughs> this is going to be for kids. Oh, okay. And then they announced it and people are like, oh, what the hell? This is for kids. And <laughs> like, uh, Okay, well, anyway. So, interesting concept. Uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. And um, we'll, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be out in... April on April 20th I believe and um there are still some details that are going to be coming out so Nintendo Labo it's for kids and uh, that's the thing you should remember uh also there are games coming next week uh, 2018 we had a, a brief respite in uh, you know after the the holidays and uh, now the the season of gaming is starting up again in just a few days with two pretty big japanese bred games uh coming out on the 26th that's monster hunter world and dragon ball fighter z or dragon ball fighters um monster hunter world i think monster hunter is a series we've talked about a few times uh and always with the same how how can we say it um longing for the 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 joy that monster hunter seems to bring to people who love it (laughs) without being able to access it and um apparently monster hunter world is more accessible that's what everyone's been saying Um, and so maybe that's going to be the thing they also uh bandai namco also uh, started a website called adopt a hunter or something like that where you say when you are available and uh, veteran players can accompany you into that world because it's very multiplayer centric. And so it can introduce you to the world in a more you know, enjoyable manner. So um, yeah, I, I would love to try it. I think I'm going to be busy with other things, although I've been saying that for like three weeks and it's still not happening. So maybe I'll still have time. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, are you going to jump in? Are you going to try and discover the wonders of Monster Hunter?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was one of the games that I was looking out for this year, um, and it, the fact that it comes out around a time when, like, nothing else is really happening, except for a couple, like, choice indie games and stuff like that, then I think it might be worth my time to, to check it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, my other option is I just keep playing games that I missed last year, so. <laughs> <laughs> and there are many of those, yeah. But oh, yeah. Um-
1: yeah it's really i think the the allure of monster hunter world is is pretty significant because they are promising some you know some easier uh interface elements and easier to get into so the the fans of that series are so rabid uh, and so enjoying it that i think it's very difficult if you're a gaming fan to not want to to at least try to get into that uh that series because it's so big, especially in Japan. The other game is uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and um, they they had a beta over the weekend. Did you did you try it at all, or
0: no? I mean, this isn't my kind of game. Ah. We have talked about fighting games in the past, Patrick, and
1: <laughs> well, not my thing. Okay, so I'm a big Dragon Ball fan, and uh, oh, it's Capcom, not Bandai Namco. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I had a doubt, so I was Googling it as I was saying, <laughs> of course, Monster Hunter uh, is Capcom, and Dragon Ball is Bandai Namco. I crossed my signals there. Um And so they had a beta. I, of course, tried it because I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. That's basically my generation's Naruto, or I don't know what the kids are enjoying these days, but uh, last, you know, 10 years, it was Naruto. Um, and it, the the game itself, as we've said many times, looks amazing. Uh, it plays pretty well. There were issues with the beta. Uh, the networking wasn't working mm-hmm. great. And uh, it was very difficult to get into the actual game for a good portion of it so much so that they had to extend it um to get to allow people to play it a little bit and um it it's hmm, i think it's a game that is going to be fun as you would expect if you enjoy dragon ball uh at all and if you enjoy fighting games i think you might want to take a look at it maybe but it mostly it's mostly for dragon ball fighter uh dragon ball fans um I'm gonna wait to see if the network code is you know, the network is holding and maybe I'll I'll buy it. I think it's very enjoyable and visually it's incredible. It is as um striking as we suspected when we saw the first trailers. They're not lying at all. Um it's incredibly well crafted. Um so did you play Xenoverse the, the- yeah. Two Xenoverse games. Did, I, I played... did, was the
0: the net code for that uh, pretty good?
1: So Xenoverse is very different because it's very much of a it's a three D fighting game, right? So okay. you, you roam around in the world and it's very free and Dragon Ball Fighters is, is very much a two D classical uh right, game. Right. Uh so you're on a plane, it's more like, you know, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter that kind of thing. Um mm-hmm and it does that really well and it's fairly accessible but it's still, you know so, I don't know I think I'll I'll wait and see right after I played the beta I was like oh my god this is the best thing ever I want to play it all the time Um, and now I've sort of I'm a little bit less uh you know, I played again a little bit and it's it's very fun, but I think there are other things that are also calling my attention. So anyway, I'm not gonna to spend too much time on it. I'm sure the people who enjoy Dragon Ball have you know, are all over it already. And those who don't really don't care. And I guess the lesson is if you don't care about Dragon Ball, I don't think you should care about this game. It's not so good that it yeah. warrants your attention. Um, a game that might warrant your attention, however, uh, is a game that I played, uh, we're going to be talking about, as I said, a few games that we started playing, um, over the the last few days. And, uh, one that has become really interesting is Street Fighter V, because if you don't know, uh, again, fighting game, I know not everyone is a fan, so I'm going to go over it real quick, but, um, Street Fighter V was released two years ago and had a real rough start. Like, it was network... The the network was not stable at all. There were issues of... um, uh, The design of the game didn't allow them to track people who were just disconnecting and punishing them. So they had to add this, like, maybe a year in, which meant that when someone was starting to lose, they would just disconnect. And that was so frustrating and annoying. Um, So anyway, they've improved the game over the last two years, and uh, now they released the Arcade Edition, which is a free update for everyone who already owns the game, uh, but it just updates the systems and the modes and all of that, but it doesn't add the characters that have been added over the last two years. Uh, However... If you buy the game fresh, the arcade edition itself, uh, you get everything together. And the arcade edition is uh, 40 bucks. And if you have uh, the base game, you can now purchase the characters from seasons one and two at a reduced price, which is uh, 10 bucks for season one and 15 bucks, I think, for season two. So I went ahead and bought all of those characters. and they are they have a new season now season 3 that which is also going to add six additional characters over the next year so um i think now um it it has become a really good game and it is pretty good value for money i mean 40 bucks you get 28 characters and all of the goodies from the game itself um if you buy the the arcade ar- arcade edition fresh so it's still street fighter i mean if you're not into street fighter it's probably not going to be for you um if you want a very 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 robust single player experience it's probably not going to be for you either although there are <laughs> like there there's an arcade mode there's a story mode but they're pretty weak the the core of the game is still the um the basic you know 1v1 gameplay but it is you know a pretty compelling um experience now i spent a bunch of hours uh, since you know in the last week when uh, uh we got just before and after we got the arcade edition and it, man it's a, it's a fun fighting game um i think i would say if you have uh bought it before and didn't stop playing it because it was unmanageable get back into it. It might be interesting. Um, If you were playing Street Fighter when you were younger and you've fallen off of uh, fighting games, um, Arcade Edition might be a really fun time uh, to spend. I say it's not a single-player game. Obviously, it isn't. I would say if you want to play online, yes, but even more so if you have a friend or a group of friends and you want to have fun playing a fighting game, uh, you know, couch versus, versus type of thing, it is awesome. Uh, this and Tekken 7, obviously, is even more approachable, probably. Someone was asking me on Twitter um, recently, what fighting game should I try if I want to get into it and I'm not uh, already proficient? I think Tekken 7 is a little bit more forgiving because you can just mash the buttons and fun things happen on top of it having a very deep gameplay um, mastery curve. But Street Fighter Five is, is I think, a really good fighting game, um, and is has now become a very recommendable, um, very recommendable game with the arcade edition having finally arrived. So, anyway, that is my recommendation of Street Fighter Five. <laughs> um, y- you've been playing uh, a game from December, Xeno- Xenoblade Chronicles Two, on the Switch, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a game that came out in December, and it uh, it is a long game. So I've been playing uh, playing it basically since it came out, and continue to play it. Um, it um, so I was a huge fan of the original Xenoblade Chronicles. It uh, when it came out on the on the Wii, I pretty much played like 120 hours of it. Um, I was loving it so much, um, and then Xenoblade Chronicles X came out for the Wii U, and I was a little less positive about that game, but still liked it enough. Um, but with Xenoblade Chronicles Two, they really took the the game and condensed it down into like kind of what it what makes it uh, great. Um, and for those of you that don't know that the like the style of combat for the original two game, the first two games was you had this long uh, thing of arts, and you would basically go between the between the different arts to select them and use them in combat. Um, but they condense that system down to basically you only get to choose three arts and each character has four to choose from. And then depending on your playstyle you can switch them up. Um, and the, th- the three arts that you choose are, are basically Y, um, X and B on the controller. And then so a it's a is a bit teams, a,
1: basically what you're calling. Yeah. The yeah. Arts this, is just, yeah, yeah they're, like just called, they're just episode. called, there's arts in the mm-hmm. game.
0: Okay. Um, and the, the, the combat system is actually pretty interesting once it get once you get deep enough into the game where you start having to deal with elemental powers and then after you you use a you can have different chain attacks with your party so you have you basically use arts to build up a chain um and then once you get use enough arts you get the ability to use a special move and there's different ranks of special moves depending on how much you've let it build up so you basically can use 1 2 and 3 of your ranks in order to use uh, a greater ability, and then you can do this chain attack thing where all your party attacks at once. Um, and the gameplay is like paused during that. But what I really found um, interesting, besides besides the combat, which kind of pulls you along through through the game, is the that I think the story is really interesting. Which Xenoblade's uh, well known for their stories, and um, I think that there are some elements of it that are kind of, kind of like, it seems like anime writers were the people that wrote the, wrote the story, especially the side stuff. But the, um, the main story thread that's kind of pulling you through is, is really interesting and keeping me going. So, um, if you're, if you want a big, like large bombastic RPG that for the switch that, that isn't like, it seems more like a, um, first party developed game. Cause it is, it's more like second party, but you get the idea. Mm. Um, like a, a shorter indie game then i think it's i highly recommend it, it so to, is uh, it
1: how jrpg is it how japanese and how you know grindy and how cringeworthy is it if you're you know so
0: the, the just for the grinding part that there's a bunch of like you get a bunch of side quests and stuff like that um i and if you do all the side quests that you kind of come across as you come across them before you move on to the rest of the story, um, you end up being a little bit over leveled for the story stuff, which is fine by me. I kind of prefer it that way. Um, so I don't know what would happen if you like go straight from story point to story point, whether you need, you would need to do some grinding, but, um, basically the option is there for you to either grind if you wanted to, but really it's probably more beneficial for you to, um, to just do the questing to, to gear experience. Um, for the, the cringiness level of it, it's uh, there's there's some things. Um, there's like so you have these thing called Blades, which are like synthetic beings that that ex- the are real like beings and they can talk and interact with people. But um, they're the Xenoblades.
1: One... That's that's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. Is, right
0: okay. Yeah, well, there's this thing. Uh, they're just called Blades, and it's not okay. like r- related to the previous Xenoblade game or Xenoblade X, really.
1: Um oh, okay. It's, it's not just, the sequel, just, like, in the story?
0: No, no, no. Okay. I, I think it's just kind of a, a con- continuation of the same, like, gener- general ideas or whatever. All right. Um, so, Final Fantasy bo-
1: type, like, this is a new yeah. story rather than, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's important um, as well, actually. we You don't have to have played the first one to oh, enjoy no, this nah. one. no. No, you don't. Okay.
0: Um I'm all, I'm just I'm waiting for there to be a, a link in in the 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 long story threads but uh mm-hmm. I don't I doubt there'll be one if there is one it'll just kind of be a passing thing and won't even be related to the the main story bits um but yeah so there's these, these synthetic beings called blades and they and they act as your like elemental mastery um kind of idea okay. and one of the people in your party has like an artificial blade and he like when they first like show her waking up it's like the joke is that he wanted her for combat and not for anything else and then it like pans to his closet and he has a bunch of like little outfits for her and stuff like that okay. so so it, there is that like don't don't right. get me wrong there there is some and then the main character and his blader kind of have uh, a sort of relationship that, that no one wants to talk about and He's like, oh, no, it's not like that kind of thing, you know? <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, are, are you playing in English? I am. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, there is like a Japanese option. Um, right. With but subtitles, I, I, I guess. I play in, I play in English and all the characters, uh, just like Xenoblade. Uh, so the original Xenoblade Chronicles had to be like a petition had to go out for it to get ported to uh, to the U.S. Mm. And so all the, but it came out in Europe just fine. So all the characters in the original version are British like all the voice actors (laughs) and so they actually continued that in this game where all the voice actor or a lot of the voice actors are british i'm i think they have a couple of of them that aren't but uh the the main kind of human characters are all british uh speaking which is i I think is cool (laughs) but some of the blades are english speaking or not english speaking but american speaking so I, i think they gives a nice balance to uh to to the idea, but still have a little bit of callback to the original game.
1: Okay. Well obviously the weapons are gonna be American. That's not surprising. Yeah. Um all right. Uh, okay. So Xenoblade Chronicles 2 recommended. Excellent. Yep. Um, there, there is a game that has been, um, making a little bit of, uh, noise recently, uh, on Steam. It's one of those games that, that, you know, comes out of nowhere and might become something. So I checked it out. It's called They Are Billions and it's in early access. And it's, um, it's not something that is going to be as huge as, you know, PUBG or anything like that, but it's fairly interesting they only have one mode available for now and it's a survival mode but essentially mm-hmm. the game is an RTS very much in the tradition of RTSs you know like Starcraft and others and um, what you have to do in the the only mode that's available now is build up your town and resist increasingly <laughs> uh, large waves of zombie in, zombies invading uh, trying to destroy your town. So it's kind of a RTS slash little bit of tower defense, but it's very, very much an RTS first and a tiny little bit of tower defense in the sense that it's more of a resist the invasion mission in an RTS than an actual tower defense type game. Um, mm. And I'm not a big fan of RTSs. Like, it's not something that I'm very much uh, interested in in general. But for some reason this one kind of grabbed me a little bit. It's it's something that usually, you know, I I don't even play more than five minutes because I get bored. And here I played a few games that were fairly long. Um and that were, you know, it it's the way the game is structured is motivating for you to keep expanding and, and trying to manage to get a little bit farther like it's you are going to it's very unlikely that you're going to go to the end of the survival uh, trial which is a number of days it's uh you know for for me um i'm choosing the 120 days which spreads out the attacks that would occur in the regular mode of 100 days uh, over a little bit longer time so it leaves you more time to build up your defenses um and it's just it, you want to just go a little bit further every time. And initially you're not going to survive the first uh <laughs> attack because I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I as I said, I'm really not I played through the StarCraft campaigns rough like half of them. Uh so I'm not it, it has been years since I played an RTS so it was like Wait what? So I need what gold and and wood and and minerals and what's happening now? And the zombies were like, uh, and I was dead. So how do
0: I play video games again?
1: Yeah, exactly. That that was me playing. They are billions, but it's just <laughs> it's fun. It's surprisingly fun for for genre that I am not uh, uh, supposedly not into at all. Um, the, the graphically it's okay. Uh, the the style is steampunkish type um it's it and and one of the interesting aspects is the developers were saying they have developed the engine to handle like 20,000 units uh at the same time so when you start getting into the later invasions it is not just a few zombies like it's hordes and and that's where you get into the tower defense type logic because you have to build up walls and and cannons and stuff and and they are billions and the the promotional material for the game is pretty well done they play on that thing and so yeah it's it's a fun game it's uh not the best game ever it's not something i would recommend anyone who hears about it rushes to to buy it but i think it's a fun little holdover uh while you're waiting for other bigger games to come out um so it's on steam early access it's 20 bucks so it's reasonably priced and uh, you might get a few hours of fun out of it another game i tried is the new game for sell from uh, cellar door uh, games which is the developer of rogue legacy a very well-known title from a yeah. few years ago um, and it's called it's not full metal furries as i i thought <laughs> initially it's full metal <laughs> furies and um it's an interesting game but i think you really need to play it with friends for it to be fun you basically mm-hmm. play one of four character that are that have different abilities and um you have to progress through a series of Top-down view, like, three-quarters view level. Uh, It's very much a retro graphics, pixelated art type game, kind of like Rogue Legacy was. Um, And it seems like it would be immensely fun if I had people to play it with. And. It's, it's not that I don't have friends. I'm sure I could find, but I'm very much of a solo player and I just can't be bothered finding people at that moment when I have the one hour I want to okay, spend Okay, Patrick, on we
0: thing. understand that you don't have friends. It's fine. You don't have to right, make excuses right. up for yourself. Okay, all
1: right. Far, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So I don't have friends and so <laughs> the game isn't super fun, but I can absolutely see how much fun it would be um, with friends. And, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, the, the different classes of characters are really um different and and you know it's almost like a, a fighting game or an overwatch or you know that kind of thing it feels like it would be super uh interesting to master all the different types of gameplays for the different characters so um yeah it's also 20 bucks it's it's fairly cheap it's also available on xbox one by the way it's probably an excellent uh Couch fun co-op game, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so it's only twenty bucks. I think it's worth it if you have friends to play with and you enjoy that type of uh, uh, that type of beat them up, beat them all action uh, type.
0: And game. if you if you haven't played Rogue Legacy yet, I highly recommend it to anyone that yeah. that wants to give it a try. Their last game because it that was an incredible, incredible uh, game and so well controlled and tight. To um, play, it was very satisfying well, I think if
1: someone hasn't played Rogue Legacy yet, I, I don't know. You know, they should. Yeah, they're not. They, they have a problem in their gaming habits. It's been out <laughs> for years, and it's been out on on every platform. Um, yeah, Rogue Legacy is a good game as well. Uh, you also wanted to talk about uh, Hollow Knight.
0: Yeah, so Hollow Knight is a um, kind of Metroidvania game um, that came out. I think. March or April of last year or something like that. But in my, like, like you said, the, my lacking of gaming habits, I, I <laughs> didn't really get around to it until um, recently. And I've been playing it on, uh, on four-player stream. And the the game is, um, I don't even know how to talk about it besides just, uh, it's great. Like the the combat is simple to start out with, and then you start to get more abilities and more stuff like that. It is hard as balls, <laughs> like very difficult and not forgiving at all. Um, you can stumble into an area. So w- one of the mechanics is that when you die, you have to go back and recover your um, either your gems or whatever that you used to spend money on, just like kind of Dark Souls kind of idea. It's
1: very Dark souls uh in its philosophy, I
0: would say. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so at all. The states,
1: stum- as you said. It's a Metroidvania like two D side mm-hmm. scrolling platformer type game. But yeah, it's it's not forgiving. Yeah.
0: So like you can go into an area and not be able to get out. Basically. Oh really? And so okay. like yeah yeah like like I got I got into an area that was intended to that was like covered in spikes. And you would think that like oh it's covered in spikes, so you probably shouldn't go down there unless you have some ability that can help you with that, right? Mm. And I was like, no, I'll go down anyway. <laughs> um so I got to the bottom and then I got killed by some monster or, or something like that and then I realized that I couldn't go back down and then get back up with my my gems and stuff like that so Oh so I, you had
1: lost your gems forever I, Yeah
0: it was it was okay. bad and then it didn't even matter cuz I died on the way down to to get my guy <laughs> anyway so I was just right. like screw this I'm going somewhere else but uh um mm. uh, yeah there's been a, a number of uh, I think I've probably lost about 3000 gems which is quite a bit uh in like the most expensive thing i can buy right now is 1800 and everything else is pretty cheap so th- yeah. that's a lot of gems to lose um but it 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 keeps me coming back and it's the powers that you get are incredibly satisfying and and make you feel stronger every time and and stuff like that so um i highly recommend it to anyone that likes uh it would, reminds me very reminiscent of ori in the blind forest as far as it's uh like stock not st- maybe not style but like it's a gameplay yeah. um, loop. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hollow Knight, the all the characters are bugs, like little insects and stuff like that. So th- there's a little bit of um, joy that comes out of like the the design of the characters, and the music's great too. So. Um, highly recommend.
1: Yeah, artistically, it's a it's a real achievement. It's very very yeah. well crafted. Um, I, I have a friend who is the biggest fan of Hollow Knight you will ever meet. He's basically it's his game of the year. And, and to be fair, a lot of people considered it as one of the best games uh, of last year. Um, I can't remember if we talked to, about it on the um, on the end of the year episode. Maybe we did, but um, but it's definitely... No, actually, maybe we didn't. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's definitely a game worth considering for um, the people who enjoy that game. It's sort of... I played it for a little bit and sort of got the fun of it, but <laughs> I thought it wasn't for me, so I stopped. But it is definitely a, a pretty significant achievement. It's one of those games that if 2017 hadn't been... Um, as riddled with incredible experiences, I think it would have stood out even more, but it's still yeah. fairly well known. And yeah. looks
0: like we didn't talk about on, on pixels, what you talked about on your friend's yeah. show. Yeah, exactly. Been yeah. Law, uh, mm-hmm. talked about it, but yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, one, one last little uh, thing that I'm trying to remember what I was going to say and I completely forgot it. So, uh, oh, it's 15 bucks. That's it. It's 15 oh, right. bucks and it's like a 40 hour game or something like that. So mm-hmm. definitely worth mm-hmm. uh like timed hour.
1: Right for it. Um, right. And the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, Hero Academy 2, which I'm sure many people uh, will remember Hero Academy 1, which was an iPad game by Robot Entertainment. Uh, Robot Entertainment is also the company behind uh, Orcs Must Die, if you remember that. And um, uh, Hero Academy 1 was an awesome um, asynchronous complex chess type um, game, right? It 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 was basically uh-huh. you would get a team of different units uh, that would uh, be put on a board and you had to kill the other teams, you know, the other player's team. And each team have, had really different types of abilities. There were like, I don't know, five, six uh, different teams by the end of the game. It was just. It was. It was really a clever implementation of that idea, and so when Hero Academy Two came out, or when I heard about it, actually it was on Twitter. Someone uh, mentioned it to me i was i I played Hero Academy one like we were playing it um at at Blizzard with my friends like all the time and and the yeah. fun thing was you could play a turn and you would have like four or five games going and you could play a turn and and wait for the others to play their turn and it was it it was clean you know you bought the game then you bought additional um teams if you wanted to, but you didn't have to well hero academy two <sighs> <laughs> I think that's my main comment about the game. It's like, imagine a a version of Hero Academy One where a team of designers came in and thought, "How can we microtransaction this game up the wazoo?" Oh no! It is. It has everything: card part, card pa- packs, gems, gold, like five different currencies. It's and I understand, you know, at the core of the game, I think there is a very intelligent um, idea to make a follow-up that is not the same as the first one. Because it's there's no point remaking Hero Academy 1. Like, you, you don't want to make the exact same game. So what they did was you, you have cards, and each card is either a unit or an ability. And instead of playing it like Hearthstone, where you put the cards on the board, then you just, you know, attack what's in front of you, you actually have a board which is ch- a checkered board. So you position your units and they have to move and they have different abilities and there's a, a turn-based um, strategy and card game, uh, collectible card game h- hybrid at the core of it, which is really... Like, imagine Hearthstone if you had to place your units on a, on a chessboard, right? And, and they had yeah. different abilities depending on that. So that idea, I think, is very compelling. But the way it's done is the worst like implementation of free to play uh uh like when you start the the tutorial is that kind of you don't understand anything you just have a voice show up and tell you now click on this icon now do and this. the icon now do is, this. is is yeah exactly exactly yeah. the icon is glowing and you can't do anything else And you have and it says now place your hero here and it's like the laziest and I understand they work, you know, some of those do work through sheer force of marketing and and sometimes quality of the game, but maybe the game is super fun behind it and maybe it's balanced and maybe you don't have to pay a lot of money and maybe I'm going to spend a little bit of time exploring it a little bit further. But the initial impression, it is so disappointing to see that Mm -hmm. that's the way they've chosen to do it. So, I don't know. Well, yeah. Uh maybe I'll I'll play a little bit more and give it, give it a uh, uh, more of a fair shake, but so far, I mean, the initial impression is really disappointing. So, we'll see. So, anyway, those were uh the games we wanted to talk about and let's uh, finish up with a few tidbits of news. Um the first one is another bit of disappointment and that one is with Bungie. That is managing to, you know, I was joking on Twitter earlier, I was saying, I, I know how fool me once goes, and I know how fool <laughs> me twice goes, but I wonder how fool me 174 times goes. And that is basically where we are with Bungie right now. They have consistently been disappointing their community on Destiny 2 for since the release of the game. With uh, you know disappointing end game, which is one thing, but also um, hidden counters that would limit the amount of stuff you would you could earn, which could be explained if they had been you know open about it initially and explained why they were doing things and maybe corrected the little missteps. But this has been happening maybe, you know, every two weeks you have a new instance of something wrong going wrong with <sighs> Destiny 2 and Bungie having to come out like it's, it's getting into meme status now. They come out and they say, we're sorry, this is not how we intended it to be implemented and we're listening and we're going to do better. And you're like, dude, at some point, and they just had like... A couple of weeks ago, a big community focused um, communication piece where they were saying, we know we messed up on this and we know we had issues with this and that. We're going to do better. We're going to you know, improve this aspect and that aspect. And this is what we're thinking of changing here and there. And, and a week later or two weeks later, they have another uh, fumble with the it's the faction rally now, which it doesn't really even matter what it is. It's just another instance of them having to come out and, and apologize for something. And, you know, it would be bad if it was the first time, you know, the first game, but they had similar ish issues, uh, even less actually with Destiny 1. So it's like, you look at this, and as I said in the end of year episode, you look at Destiny 1 and in Destiny 2, and it seems like they have learned nothing. And they, they're they doing... Ugh. Anyway, I'm so disappointed and so saddened by what's been happening with Destiny 2 and Bungie as a company. And this is not Activision. You know, this is not... I, I know some people might be willing to blame um, the big corporate overlord, and certainly they might have some influence on the way some things are going. But the core of the design of it is is problematic with this game. And I think we're going to see someone in a few months you know i'm wondering if well i don't want to say any names because i don't know who's responsible for anything but i think someone is going to take the fall and in a few months we're going to see someone leave the company and it's going to be very corporate and very polite and very kind and everyone is going to be like we value the contributions of blah 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 that they have been um you know contributing to the game for years and we wish them the best in the future." but they're good. Everyone will know what it will be. So.
0: Yeah. And I I think I agree with you that at a certain point, you got to put the the blame on, on Bungie themselves just because of like, like Activision. Sure. They, I'm sure they, like you said, I'm sure they have some control over things, but the, their control over Blizzard doesn't seem to be like super, um, like handholdy or anything like that. So, At a certain point, you got to get lay the blame at Bungie's feet themselves in order to maybe have some accountability for for what their their poor decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean, Activision can say things like we want you to make this a constant revenue stream. Right. We want right. you to be able to microtransaction this game and be able to make it not just one, uh, 60 bucks game every year. We need to have more than this in order to, um, you know, to, to give you the budget you need. All right. That might lead to some poor decision making in, like the, the Battlefront 2 was an example of, EA probably pushing for implementations that were detrimental to the game in the end. I think right. that's believable. In the case of Destiny 2, the 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 core of the issues are not just the implementation of the microtransaction nature of the revenue model. In in the case of Destiny 2, there are some core uh decisions for the design of the game underlying the monetizationizability <laughs> um of the game that are also at fault and and communications wise it's like half of the things that have been uh problematic in the game are things that if Bungie had been more open about it and explained why they were doing some of the things they were doing it would have been much less of an issue. Like they give you an opportunity in an event to accumulate a certain, you know, certain items from the game or a certain currency. And because they don't want people to farm the same activity over and over and over again, they they bring in diminishing return for that activity in regards to the currency. That's fine. I think it's okay to, say so, to, to do so if you say it. But you can't give an event where you tell people, well, you're going to be able to earn this. And secretly, after they do it three times, then they have no chance of earning it anymore and not saying it. Then you say, hey, in order for people to do varied activities, here's what the limits we have in place are it's and And doing it once is bad enough, doing it like three four times over the course of two months i don't it's like there is something seriously rotten in the kingdom of Bungie so <laughs> anyway um, disappointment uh well, epic games is also disappointed with one of its uh flagship games or what they would have liked to be a flagship game and that's paragon it's funny because paragon um was pushed last year the year before as this uh big uh initiative from epic for the 3d you know moba type that they would uh, uh they would basically bring mobas into the 3D third person view world. And obviously, Paragon has not s- known a huge amount of success. It was, you know, bundled in the hero shooter uh, explosion of 2016. So it had a lot of competition and there were a lot of entrants and very few winners in that category. Um, but they were still pushing the game until the end of last year. And they were saying, yes, the future is bright for Paragon. And <laughs> a few weeks later, they're <laughs> like, so uh here's the deal fortnite is really working out for us and paragon not so much so we're not sure paragon is something we're going to keep pushing so so much anymore so basically they're letting people down easy um It's interesting to read because they're saying none of the novel concepts we introduced in Paragon resonated enough with the community for it to be a breakout success. And so it's now languishing with a poor population. They're being very realistic about what the game is and why it didn't catch up. And on the other hand, they have Fortnite, which wasn't going anywhere, but with the addition of the um, uh, Battle Royale mode has become a very successful game. And yeah, they're being realistic. They're like, well, we have this thing and we have the this other thing and that other thing is working out. So let's push the thing that is working out. Uh it makes sense. It's just a little bit sad for Paragon. But Epic is, is I think um ending up a, a winner on that equation. So mm-hmm. yeah. Have you been playing uh Fortnite Battle Royale?
0: No, I've been I haven't been playing it at all. I think the um we talked about the PUBG and the, the zeitgeist around that, Right, um, right yeah. how I was interested in the idea, but it wasn't something that was like really pulling me out to full out, go out and buy the game um, yeah. at, at that moment, so... Well, um,
1: Fortnite is uh, is free to play, and I think that is... I mean, the Battle Royale mode is is free to play, and that's mm-hmm. a big factor in its success. I think a lot of people... Um, on PlayStation, especially because pe- uh, PUBG is not available on PlayStation, but on all platforms, um, a lot of people are taking the opportunity to try out this mode. Uh, and I don't know if, you, if we mentioned it, but Paladins um, is... Oh yeah, I mentioned it last episode. Paladins is also adding a Battle Royale mode, so um i think they're calling it battleground actually so um, now we just need overwatch to overwatch overwatch to add one. Oh, we just need overwatch <laughs> to add a battle royale mode right yeah, yeah, yeah i think yeah i think that might be a really fun if they manage to find a way i think that's what i was saying about paladins uh hero shooters are a little bit different because you need progression throughout the 20 40 minutes of the game um so you need additional abilities and I don't know how that works in a hero shooter and I don't know that it will work in, in overwatch but um it would be interesting to see uh, what would happen if they tried their hand at something like this yep um fable is a game people like or a series people remember fondly and uh, apparently the people at uh, microsoft uh, think that it might be worth bringing it back obviously um the the franchise was launched by um um Ah, the name escapes me. Uh, Lionhead. Lionhead, thank you. Which was closed in 2016. And now apparently, according to the rumors, uh, Microsoft saw the success of Horizon Zero Dawn and they were like... Maybe single-player games are not uh, <laughs> such a bad idea after all. The big open-world single-player games, because Microsoft was basically saying, "We don't do that anymore." Um, yeah, they canceled they,
0: Scalebound and yeah. Fable in the same like couple months span.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Fable Legends, right? Um, uh,
0: no, I think they well they shuttered Lionhead completely. Right,
1: right, right. But that was a while ago. That was like twenty sixteen that was two years ago, but
0: um yeah it was but it was at the same time that they closed down the scale
1: bound right, uh, right, right. project oh no that w- I thought that was last year
0: or was that last year
1: yeah, yeah, I think so anyway yeah, so, yeah, you're right. um the the developer for for this version would be um uh, the company behind forza uh, horizon um and uh, again, I can't remember the name of that. Uh, developer
0: that i do not have <laughs> uh, i
1: it, it must be somewhere in the article i'm looking at but i can't find it uh i will sorry but yeah so it's it's uh i i can imagine that they would have uh gotten some people from Lionhead now and they're like oh oops okay well maybe we can do something with this and um yeah I, I never played Fable, but I know it is very popular with um, a, a huge uh, part of the gaming population. So I, I think this is the kind of thing that Microsoft needs. And I hope that we're seeing this uh, happen as a consequence of Phil Spencer gaining, you know, ranks and power in um, the Microsoft organization. And so he's able to push some of those big beacon titles uh for development in the in the company and we'll see those happen more and more so um yeah that's good news um yep. what else uh metal gear survive we've we have a trailer for that thing um <laughs> so metal gear survive is a game by konami post uh hideo kojima the of course creator of metal gear which is basically, it seems like it's a betrayal of everything Melgear <laughs> and Kojima stood for. it it It's so different that it almost feels like it's a thing that Konami put together out of spite for Kojima. <laughs> like, I, I don't yeah. think it's the case, but that's what it feels like. It's essentially, the trailer makes it look like um, Orcs Must Die, which I referenced earlier. Which is essentially a tower defense, third person view game. Um, yep. I don't think that game is going to, maybe it's going to surprise me, but I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think that the, I mean, the gameplay of Metal Gear Solid 5 was like solid, right? So, um, taking that gameplay and that engine and putting it into uh, something else is, is a good big business decision. I I just think that, that, that Konami has soured people on their, their, what their perceived treatment of Kojima, um, and I, I just don't think they'll. This game will kind of do anything. I think there'll be um, some people that kind of don't follow the news of um, the video game industry like very closely. That will that will see this and be like, "Oh, that Metal Gear game. I, I know that game." And um, and they'll probably buy it. And they'll. It, it probably will be a well put together game for like being a tower defense game. But I, I just don't. I just don't see it appealing to me or really anyone else that knows the story and the history behind it, you
1: know? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are not going to... I think people will review it fairly, um, and it Mm -hmm. does obviously add some brand recognition if you call it Metal Gear rather than you... You know, if if they had called it Zombie Invasion Party, it would have been like (laughs) (laughs) a lot less... uh, it would have gotten a lot less publicity so yeah as you said from a marketing standpoint a business standpoint it makes sense i think it if it was if it turns out it's a good game it will be judged fairly i don't think people are going to just pan it just in the press you know the professional people yeah. they're not going to pan it right. just because it's a mel gear game that <laughs> stabs kojima in the back but um yeah it doesn't it doesn't strike me as something that is going to set the world on fire uh, something that is setting the world a little bit on fire is the Overwatch League that started last week that has attracted uh, 10 million viewers in its first week. Obviously, the opening week is going to be more successful than the uh, the subsequent week until probably the finals. Uh, to give you a little bit of context, uh, the finals for the League of Legends competition last year... Uh, generated 60 million views on the finals uh, game uh, itself so obviously in the first week when we're talking about 10 million views for overwatch it is um, a little bit wider because you might it's not unique right it's cumulative so it might be actually a million people that watched uh, 10 times on average or a little bit more that watched a little bit less and Obviously, it doesn't compare it to something like, uh, the, the biggest esports that has been the biggest esports, um, for years and years and, and, um, that manages to, uh, Create 60 million views for one game. I'm, I'm mentioning this because I've seen a lot of comments saying, Oh, this is ridiculous compared to X big game like CSGO or League of Legends. Uh, that's a pretty unfair comparison. What's interesting is the, uh, the fact that the launch of the Overwatch League is fairly, um, positive and people have been, uh, have been getting some, uh, Positive reactions to it, and they are uh, pretty happy with the production value. They they put a lot of money into it, and it shows. Um, there are some weaker points, like uh, people are starting to notice that a lot of the matchups have been very um, one-sided. A lot of the teams are so much better than the other teams that it's basically a, a four to zero um, in the in the the games. Um, but overall, I think it's really good start, and the quality is definitely there. I mean, the basis of the the foundation of the thing is very very healthy. I think, and um, there are some things that work a little bit better, some things that work a little bit less well. Um, there are uh, watch point recap videos that they're doing for each week of the season which I think are a little bit gimmicky at times and could be a great way of uh, uh, keeping up with what's happening in the league without having to watch all of the multi-hour games. But um, it's overall, I think it was very enjoyable. Uh, I I hope that we see in the season two or season three. I really hope we see uh, European and well Asian for the Asians. I care a little bit less, but European divisions so that I can root for my local team and that I can have games at a time where I can actually um, watch them and not in the middle of the night and I have to catch the VODs um, the the week the the day after. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to be watching a few games here and there and definitely when the finals uh, come around you know the the final championship for the whatever session uh, name they have uh, i'm definitely going to be watching that for sure so yeah, did you get I, a chance I agree to watch? With you
0: yeah i did a, a little bit um a couple of like smaller matches not really like an entire match I, I didn't watch but um i like that there's the the built-in like um functionality in the game to watch it. i like that the They kind of have like a built-in connection to the game where you can like basically Mm. get uh, different team colors and stuff like that, which I think is cool. Well, you can. Um, That's
1: uh, I didn't mention it. You do have an Overwatch League tab on the Blizzard Launcher now, which obviously is going to bring a (laughs) lot of people. When the the games are live, you have a menu flashing in-game that tells you, "Hey, the Overwatch League is fine is live." You can click, and it brings you to that. to that page. So obviously that's a lot of views as well. And you can buy, um, in the game. Now you can buy uniforms. So basically color, uh, colors for the different heroes that fit the different teams, uh, from the league. So that's also a big, uh, yeah. Synergy with the game itself.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting the way they, uh, the way they did the colors. They give you one free one that you can unlock on one character. Mm um and then you can buy like points obviously to to kind of unlock others and i think right. you can earn them too through normal gameplay um, uh,
1: no you can't actually you have to oh buy you those. can't okay yeah.
0: okay i was wondering about that because uh so the only way you can get those things is to buy like what looks like loot boxes but basically they're just giving you a bunch of points that you can then spend yeah. so it's not like an actual loot box
1: kinda, no it's not a loot box uh, it's really just there. points so it's really a currency for money so the money goes to blizzard and the the teams yeah
0: is there any alternative way to earn that that currency I don't at all? Think or so, is it just, no, yeah, I mean okay.
1: Blizzard can you know award it for events yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but no, you can't play. Sure. You can't earn it through in-game uh, anything. So it's really a way to like it's like buying a jersey from a team in in a store. Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, there's that, uh, and uh, finally, there is a uh, partnership between uh, Ubisoft and Lego. Uh, Hmm. with Tencent, which is an interesting little thing that I thought I'd mention. Wow, that's a
0: weird combination of things. (laughs) Yeah, it is,
1: it is. Um, I I think we've heard about it a little bit more in France because Ubisoft, of course. Uh, But I mean, Tencent, I wonder if uh, they're going to be targeting the Chinese market uh, specifically or if it's going to come out uh, elsewhere. I'm guessing it's probably going to be coming out in, um, in... France as well in other platforms what they're they're talking about WeChat gaming and stuff like that um so we'll see uh it's it's probably going to be mobile because you know Tencent is focused on China yeah. but yeah Ubisoft going in that direction is really interesting uh working with Lego that has traditionally been I think they're, they've been doing stuff for um with uh Warner Brothers right because all of the um uh lord of the rings and dc uh, lego games so it's another direction i wonder what what's going to happen there and lego definitely has a huge potential in gaming and they've they've been exploring it very successfully uh, in the past few years but maybe ubisoft could take them in a different direction and ubisoft has been quite successful as well um in in recent history so yeah looking forward to that as well and that is going to be it for this uh, episode of the show uh, that that I don't know when we're gonna I'm gonna be coming back, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that we got to do this one and uh, round up a little bit of what we uh, what has been happening. So um, if people want more of Ed, where would they find you? Yeah, you can follow me
0: on Twitter at 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 Edesis. Um That will obviously be in the show notes as usual. Um, if you want to know if you want to watch me stream live, I stream live Wednesday nights at, at about nine o'clock Eastern time on the 4pp.tv and we stream um, every night and we have our podcast uh, that I'm not on but the rest of the group is um, every Thursday night and then keep an eye out on our YouTube channel for our our upcoming top 10 games of the year which you got a preview on last time I was on but uh, maybe the the bottom five will surprise you (laughs) so so keep an eye out for that.
1: Cool. Uh, thank you very much. I am not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, if you want to keep up with what's happening in my life, you can follow me there. Of course, uh, you can find this uh, show on Frenchspin.com. You'll also find other shows like the Phileas Club. Well, one other show like the Phileas Club, which is <laughs> a show about, um, uh, what's happening in the world. And we get people from different parts of the world to, to talk about it. So we get different, uh, opinions and angles and, and cultures. So that, is interesting to some people as well and uh yeah that's about it we will uh probably be taking a little break of one episode i think uh, (laughs) to take care of diapers hopefully at some point the baby will decide to come out and uh, we'll be back fairly soon after that with lots of stories to tell so i hope you enjoyed this episode and i will talk to you when we come back bye
0: later